Thank you. You may be seated this morning. Did you enjoy the worship today? Just honoring God today. I thank you for that and and, uh, bringing us into the presence of God. And thank you, Jimmy, for that great welcome this morning. Uh, How many of you wish you could still fit in your clothes from... How many of you like to see Carlos race Jimmy? Y'all want to come up here real quick? No, I'm just kidding. Now, I don't bet, but my money might be on uh, Jimmy, all right? <laughs> Yours too, Carlos. Uh, isn't it fun to have fun in the house of the Lord? And uh, I'm thankful that you're here. If you don't know me, my name is John. I am blessed uh, to serve as the pastor here. And I want to invite you to find your way to Psalm chapter one. Psalm chapter number one, we are beginning our new series this summer. And uh, as typical, when I start out the message, I like to say, God is good. And all the time, God is good. Amen. Appreciate you being here. If you're new here, I would love to, uh, my wife and I I would love to meet you right after the service. We'll be in the foyer. We'd have a gift we'd love to give you and just to have an opportunity to to thank you for being here in person. But but thank you for being here. And uh, as Jimmy mentioned, this Next Sunday is the 25th anniversary of the dessert auction, and it kind of blows my mind that it's been that long. Joy and myself and uh, Steve and Shelly Switzer started that 25 years ago uh, to raise money for kids to go to camp, and you guys have been spending a lot of money on dessert for 25 years, and And so let me encourage you, even if maybe you're not going to be here next Sunday or you can't stay for the meal and dessert auction, you can go online and give. Just put dessert auction, right? And it'll go to send students to camp. And I don't know what your experiences are, but my experience personally uh, for my own life and my experience as a student pastor for many years is, is camp is an opportunity for kids to meet Jesus. And so if you want to invest in kids meeting Jesus, then you don't have to be here next Sunday. You're going to miss out on a lot of fun if you're not here next Sunday. And you're going to have some enemies after next Sunday. Steve Rhodes a couple years ago just kept bidding up on this banana pudding. I spent $800 for banana pudding. Thanks a lot, Steve. Appreciate that. It was good, though. It was good pudding. And uh, so be here next week. Also pray on Thursday, this Thursday evening, supposedly, you know, at 820, we are scheduled. There's about 23 of us from the church that are going to be flying to Kenya on Thursday night and get to see David and Kim Hayes, our missionaries there. And of course, we also support Mitch and Beth Calmes and uh, Alicia and Michaela. And so we're excited to be there. We'll be there from 8th, June 8th to June the 20th. So if you'll pray for us and all the travel that goes with that. And we're, we're going to get to have two big carnivals. And so we're praying that uh, God will bring a lot of people and we'll see a lot of people give their life to Jesus on, on this trip. So pray for us and, and pray for that, that trip. Now, as I said, we're uh, in Psalm 1 and we're starting a new series that, that has already been mentioned, but Summer Playlist. Now, when I say the words playlist, uh, it'll be interesting depending on what age you are, what you might be thinking. When, when I was in high school, to, to create a summer playlist was much more difficult than it is right now. 
How many of you remember like the dual deck tapes and happened to try to, you guys remember that? How many of you are before that, you know, you got the A-track the or you got the, the turntable, right? And uh, I think I might have a picture of, of uh, a double deck, tape deck. Doesn't that just bring back some memories for you? How many of you have no idea, never seen that? Like, so I don't like you if you don't know what this is. This was torture to try to get a playlist. Let me just educate you for a moment. So we would have to call into the radio station and request a song. The song that comes to my mind is Right Here Waiting For You by Richard Marx. I want to say Karl Marx. It wasn't Karl Marx, Richard Marx. <laughs> How many of you know that song? How many of you like to sing, me to sing that song for you right now? I could probably sing every words of that lyric because of my moron brother, okay? So from like age 16 to 17, oh, let me finish the story, I'll get back to that, maybe. Um, so you would have to call the radio station and say, hey, uh, could you play right here waiting for you by, not Karl Marx, Richard Marx, and, and uh, then you would wait by this stupid contraption here and hope that they gave you enough leeway to say, Oh, this shout out goes to John Haley. Let's use Michael Haley. He would have been the one calling asking for that dumb song. But then you would be waiting and you hit record at the, just at the right time and you got it recorded once. Well, then you could flip it and put the tape over there. Then you could record it again. And my brother had this song recorded like 10 times in a row on one tape. And every night, every night, he would play that song on repeat, okay? And repeats different now. It's much easier just, you know, hit the button. There you had, anyways, I'm not going to, I sound like an old man right now talking about it. But he would listen to this song every single night and it was played like 10 times over and over and over again. And the reason is supposedly there was some female who lived in Taylorville, Illinois, that was playing the exact same song as she went to bed, Right? Her name will remain nameless to protect the innocent, but they never saw each other again. I spent two years of my life listening to, I'll be right here waiting for you, <laughs> whatever it takes, or how my heart breaks. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Anyways, so playlist. But, but the book of Psalms, the reason it's called Summer Playlist is the book of Psalms, 150 chapters, there's a book of songs. It's God's playlist for us. And so this summer, we're going to walk through the first 10 books of Psalms as our, our summer morning playlist. Um, let me give you, if you're taking notes, it may be easy for you just to take a picture of this screen because it'd be hard for you to write it all out. Uh, but just kind of an overview of the authors of the book of, of Psalms, all right? So there's 150 books, and here we see David uh, is accredited 73, maybe 75, but in Psalms itself, he's only accredited 73. Solomon, his son, King Solomon, two of them. Moses wrote one of the Psalms. Asaph wrote 12. The sons of Korah wrote 11. Haman, or Heman, depending on how you want to pronounce it, wrote one. He was one of the sons of Korah, so the 11 and the one there really equal 11, not 12. I'll, I'm not going to take time to explain that. Ethan wrote one. And so there are, if you've done the math quick, about a, there's a hundred up there that are accounted for. There is 50 other Psalms that don't 
really give authorship. We don't know who wrote them. One of those is Psalm chapter 1 that we're going to be at uh, today. So let me just read you a, a brief summary from a commentary on the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is a collection of prayers, poems, and hymns. It focuses the worshiper's thoughts on God in praise and adoration. Parts of the book were used as a hymnal in the worship service of ancient Israel. The musical heritage of the Psalms is demonstrated by its title. It comes from a Greek word which means a song sung to the accompaniment of musical instrument. Okay, so that's why we get this idea of a summer playlist. So the nation of Israel, many of these psalms would be sung in the church setting, accompanied by music. Now, if you're not real familiar with psalms or the book of psalms, the book of psalms evokes a lot of emotions. You see rawness from the authors, sad, mad, oftentimes mad at God. You see them in worship, they teach us how to worship. And, and so you see all these emotions. And, and aren't like songs evoke emotion from you? How many of you this morning, as we were singing some of those songs, you, you, ex, you experienced some emotions today, right? I, in fact, I looked around and, and saw a few people crying. And, and the truth is I'm a, I'm a sympathy crier. And some of you made me cry this morning. And, and that's what songs can evoke emotion in us. And, and by way of of illustration this morning, I want to, I want you to, this is going to be a church participation for a few minutes. Can you, are you guys, can you, can you participate? All right. You guys ready? Are you ready for this? Okay. If you know the song that's going to play, then I want you just to sing along with it. Are you, are you guys good with that? You don't have to sing good, but you got to sing loud. Okay. Are we ready? Here we go. Oh, you guys are good. Some of you are Wow. I could never get that part down very good. All right. All right, good. All right, next one. Carlos, do you know this one? Feeling, yeah. I would, I would sing along, but it's going to be only me singing online, and they don't want to hear that. Trust me. All right, the next one. A little older. Everybody want to do, can, I could surf right here. That, oh, now you got it. Very good. You guys want to keep going. All right. Next one. Got our, everybody go out ready. Wow. Wow. We know who likes to rock it out in here. All right, this one may be a little older. Oh, it is a little older. Carlos knows it. All right. You guys, you guys don't really want me to preach. You just want to hear the rest of the song, don't you? All right, next one. Oh, wow. Man, you guys are impressive or depressive. I'm not really sure. You guys never get that excited while I'm preaching. Does it take you back? 
There's some songs that play and it immediately takes me back to a dark, damp basement in Sweetwater High School to health class writing vocabulary words. I don't know why. I can smell the dingy linoleum tile. And I'm not playing that song for you because I don't want to experience. There are other songs though that make me well up with, with tears. So a few years ago, my, my daughter got married and she asked me to pick out the song for the father-daughter dance. I grew up an independent fundamental Baptist, so these feet don't really move well for dancing, but I started listening to songs. She sent me a few songs, started listening to them, and the truth is I didn't really like any of them. So I had this brilliant idea, I thought, that I would write a song for our father-daughter dance and surprise her with it. So would you like to hear a little bit of that song? Okay, it's just gonna be the short clip of, of part of the chorus, all right? Oh, but wait, wait, before we start it, sorry. I just, I threw you off, sorry. I, I was gonna explain it real quick. So when, when Blair was little, like probably of your daughters, she always wanted to be the queen of the house. Can I get an amen? And you know what I would tell her? No. You are not the queen. Mom's the queen. You're the princess. But one day, you could be somebody else's queen. All right, so that's kind of the gist of the song, all right? cry. You're going to make me cry. Right? So before her wedding, I listened to that song a thousand times. And you know what I did every single time I listened to it? I cried. I thought that I had listened to it enough that I wouldn't cry when we had the dance. Guess what? I was wrong. I'm crying now again. The emotions can, can get us, can't they? What, what about this one, I'm, I'm gonna need your help. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but Sing the last verse. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first 
God, we thank you that you have spoken to us in your word. Lord, we thank you that you have created us to feel things, to have emotions, to be able to worship you through music, through the reading and the teaching of your word. And we thank you, as we've just sang about, for grace. Lord, may we not forget the words of that song that you saved a wretch like me. I thank you for grace. I thank you for Jesus. And I thank you for the opportunity in this moment to open up your word. And and I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, Psalm chapter 1. Let's get started. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates how often? Day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its seasons, whose leaf shall not wither. Whatever he does shall what? Prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall what? Perish. Before we really get into unpacking this passage of Scripture, I want to pause for a moment and look at the first word and the last word, the end caps of this psalm, because these two words really depict for us a theme, an understanding of the Bible that is from beginning to the end. There's the first word, blessed, that means like happy, content, fulfilled, satisfied. The last word, What's the last word? Perish and death and separation from a holy, righteous God. And what a contrast between these two words. What you understand, I believe you understand, if you've been around here very long, is that we realize that to be content, to be satisfied, to truly have joy in life, this word blessed, blessed is the man. In order for that to really be a reality in your life, it can't be based on your circumstances. It can't be based on anything other than you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That a blessed life, the blessed person cannot be, you cannot be a blessed person apart from the person of Jesus Christ. Do you agree with that? Like you can be happy for a moment. You can have things, but you're never going to be fully fulfilled in life. You're never going to be complete. You're never going to be truly joyful apart from Jesus Christ being in your life. And so from the very first song in our playlist, the very first word is going to point us directly to Jesus. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. And without Jesus, we will not have a blessed life. And this is a theme all throughout scripture. Jeremiah Jeremiah chapter 16, verse number five, it'll be on the screen for us. It says, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man. So we're, we're gonna kind of unpack for a moment before we actually get into the psalm is this idea that there's two paths, there's two ways. There's a way that leads to blessing. There's a way that leads 
to cursing. There's, as Psalm 1 says, the blessed life or the life that leads, the ungodly life that leads, they will all perish. And Jeremiah, God tells Jeremiah the same thing. Curses the man who trusts in man. It's man's way makes flesh a strength whose heart departs from the Lord. And this is like similar to Psalm chapter one, but it's the opposite. You'll see what I'm talking about. Verse six, for shall, he shall be like a shrub in the desert. He shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness and salt land, which is not inhabited. Then we see what sounds like Psalm chapter one, verse seven of Jeremiah. Blessed is the man who trusts the Lord whose hope is in the Lord. You see the difference? You see the two paths? You see the two ways? There's a blessed life, there's a cursed life. One is man's way, one is God's way. Verse eight, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river. He will not fear when heat comes, but his leaf will be green. He will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor cease, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Doesn't that sound a lot like Psalm chapter one? We have the blessed life, the cursed life. Jesus would expound on this and give us a little deeper understanding in Matthew chapter seven on the Sermon on the Mount. Verse number 13, Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to, what's the word? Destruction, perish, separation from God. And there are many who go in by it. Verse 14, though, he says, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to, what's the word? Life. And there are few who find it. Verse number 24, Jesus is still teaching in Matthew chapter 7. Therefore, whoever, we just sang about this. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall. Why? For it was founded on the what? Who is the rock? Jesus. This is a theme all throughout Scripture that we cannot have a blessed life. We will not survive the storms of life apart from Jesus. Verse 26, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and doesn't do them, he will be like a foolish man who would build his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on the house, and it fell. And great was its fall. Do, do you see the correlation between all these scriptures? There's, there's a right way and a wrong way. There's man's way, there's God's way. There's a way that leads to blessing, a way that leads to cursing. There's a way that leads to life, there's a way that leads to death. One is wide, one is narrow. This is what Jesus was talking about in John chapter 14 as he's in the upper room with the disciples. Remember what he said in verse one, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, you believe also in me. He goes on to say, in my father's house are many mansions. I'm gonna go prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm gonna come back and receive you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And then in verse five, he says, and you guys know where I'm going and you know how to get where I'm going. That's my paraphrase. Verse four, that was. Verse five, Thomas says, uh, hold, hold on. We don't know where you're going and we don't know the way. I'm glad Thomas spoke up. And Jesus very clearly says in verse six, I'm the way and I'm the truth. And I'm the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Blessed life, cursed life. Eternal life, 
death. Separation from God and the presence of God. There's, so people want to tell you that all roads lead to heaven. There's only two, there's only two roads. See it all throughout scripture. There's a road that man has created and man has created a lot of different roads, but they're all man's roads, right? And there's one road that leads to God. There's one way, there's one path. And what did Jesus clearly say was the road that led to God? Him. By placing your faith in Jesus. One of the most quoted verses in scripture, John three sixteen, the words of Jesus, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not, what is it? Perish, but have everlasting what? You see the two words again, perish and life. One road, man's road, leads to death. God's road, Jesus' path, leads to life. So before we continue unpacking this passage, I think the most important thing we need to determine today, you need to determine today, is which path are you on? Because every one of us in the room are on one of those two paths. As Jeremiah, as God spoke to Jeremiah, we're either trusting in ourselves or we're trusting in God. And so you need to determine, I can't determine that for you. Which path are you on? Have you placed your faith in Jesus and I have made the decision, I surrender my life to Jesus? In fact, just for a moment, could, could everyone close your eyes for a second? Real quick. If you have not made the decision, be on the path with Jesus. He clearly stated, he's the way, the truth, and the life. He said in John chapter 3, if you believe in me, you will not die, you will have everlasting life. If you've never made the decision for yourself to give your life to Jesus, can I encourage you, do it right now. I'm going to lead you through a prayer, and the prayer has really three parts to it. It's what we see in Scripture, that you admit that you're a sinner, that your sin separates you from God. The second part is that you believe. You believe what Jesus said, that he's the way, the truth, and life, that he died for you, and then you confess that Jesus is Lord. And if you want to do that, you want to be on Team Jesus, you want to be on the path that leads to life, eternal life, that, that you want to be on the way of Jesus, then right where you're at, would you pray? I'll lead you through this prayer. God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me. I confess Jesus is Lord. I invite you to come into my life. I surrender my life to you. As our eyes are closed, I would love to celebrate with you, pray for you. If you prayed that prayer, would you just put your hand up for a moment? Everyone's got their head down. They're not looking. It's just, just me looking around. Just put your hand up real quick. Anybody like that? Just put it up. So scan the audience. Thank you. Thank you. See that one? And anyone else? Let me encourage you. There's another one. Thank you. Let me encourage you, before you leave today, tell someone, 
I'll be in the foyer. You're welcome to come tell me. I would love to celebrate with you. In in fact, would everyone just look up and and can we just celebrate the decision people have made to give their life to Christ? And then I want you to pray for me because according to that clock back there, I got seven minutes to give the rest of the, the sermon, all right? So can you listen fast? That didn't sound very confident. Can you listen fast? Okay. Or can you give me five extra minutes? Hey, you're better about that. All right. So when we look at the psalm, really it's talking about followers of Jesus and people who are not followers of Jesus. So so the psalm that we're going to walk through here is not so much... um, a list of do's and don'ts to get you to heaven, okay? It's actually a description of people who have already decided to follow Jesus, okay? It's, it's gonna describe for us two types of people. The people that are on, on the path of righteousness, team Jesus, or it's the people who are on the path of ungodliness, like man's path. Does this make sense? So it's not like if I, if I just keep this list, no, 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 no. It's a describing for us those who have made the decision already, right? So there's two things I'll point out really quickly, two, two de- definitions, descriptions, or how we would see a follower of Jesus in this passage. The first is, number one, is what this person, what a follower of Jesus, the blessed man, what he avoids, Okay, so if I am a follower of Jesus and I made a decision to follow Jesus, verse number one walks us through things that I should avoid. Blessed is the man, what does it say, who walks not in the counsel of ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers, right? That there's this progression that we see. And, and maybe an, another way to look at this is, and the ideas of walk would be like, I'm interested in what's over there. Now, I know I'm as a follower of Jesus. What's over there is probably what I shouldn't be involved in, but it kind of interests me. And it seems like if we're not guarded, once we become interested, we will soon become involved, right? First, we're walking by, and now we're, we're standing. We're interested, we're involved, and then I've seen it over and over again. We become immersed, and we're all in. And I, unfortunately, I've been in full-time vocational pastoral ministry for almost 30 years. And I see it over and over again. Followers of Jesus who begin to walk, then they begin to stand, and next, they're immersed. And, And so the psalmist is trying to warn us If I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm not going to walk in the counsel of the ungodly, right? I'm going to be careful of the advice I receive. I'm not going to stand. I'm going to be careful of whom I associated with. I'm not going to sit. I'm going to be careful of my my actions. Here's, Here's another way of putting that. Skip Heitzig said it this way. Christians who move the world don't let the world move them. So as a follower of Jesus, I'm supposed to be in the world, but not, what is it? 
of the world. Romans, right? Don't be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so the psalmist is not saying don't hang out with sinners. He's just saying guard your heart as you hang out with sinners because we're, we're called to have an influence and an impact on the world today. Do you agree with that? Do you agree that the world needs an influence and an impact by followers of Jesus today? It always has. It always has. And so the follower of Jesus, the blessed man or woman, is known by what they avoid. And number two, they are known by what they enjoy. Verse number two. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And here's where it potentially could get quiet this morning. How much do you delight in his word? So followers of Jesus, what the psalmist says, they're going to be known by what they don't do, but they're also going to be known by what they love, what they delight in. Do you delight in God's word? You see, we, we, we get in the word until the word gets into us. I love this statement. I want to know the word of God so I can get to know the God of the word. God has revealed himself to us right here. And when I get the Bible out on the early morning on my back porch, it's me and God having a conversation together. And if I'm going to be completely transparent with you today, I wish I delighted in his word more. I do. And, and if today you don't delight in God's word as much as maybe you think you should, can I just tell you that the goal of the message, the goal of me walking through this is not to guilt you into something. It's to encourage you. If you're struggling to delight in God's word, can I just say, welcome to the club. Like we, what do we say often around here? We've, we're a group of people that figured out we don't have it all figured out. Like we're all in a journey, we're all in a process. And so here's what I want you to do. If, if you're struggling to delight in the word of God, and sometimes that's because you're so busy with everything else that's going on, and we all can admit and we can all agree that life just gets busy and things get left behind, right? But what I want you to do then is just to, to today make a decision to pray, God, help me delight in your word. Help me to want to get up and, or to stay up late, whatever's best for you, and, and, and to get in to your word. So he's known by what he avoids and what he enjoys. And then we see this contrast that we've really already talked through. Verse 3. If we're a follower of Jesus who avoid the things we're supposed to avoid and we enjoy the things we're supposed to enjoy, he says, we'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. God's hand of blessing will be upon you. Verse 4, though, the ungodly are not so. They're like the chaff which the wind drives away. The chaff just useless. I don't know about you, but as a follower of Jesus, I want to be like what Jesus talked about in John chapter 15. If you abide in me, and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. The last part of that says, and 
in you bearing much fruit, God will be glorified. So, we're known by what we avoid, what we enjoy, and if we avoid what we're supposed to avoid and we enjoy what we're supposed to enjoy, God says he's gonna bear fruit in us. God's gonna use us. And I wanna be used of God. Do you, you, you realize that God doesn't need you? Hate to burst your bubble. God does not need me. I'm really not that special. God doesn't need you. But you know what's really cool? God has invited me to be a part of what he's doing. And if you're a follower of Jesus, he's invited you too. And I want to I, I wanna avoid what I'm supposed to avoid, but more than that, honestly, I want to enjoy what I'm supposed to enjoy. Because here's the secret. The more I enjoy what I'm supposed to enjoy and delight in the word of God and abide in Christ, well, he's going to transform my heart. He's going to transform my desires. And those things that I thought I really needed and desired, well, God just has a way of changing those things. So let me leave you with some just practical steps this morning. I, I want to give you two apps that you probably ought to download on your phone if you don't already have them. Okay? First is the YouVersion Bible app. All right? If you don't have this, you're in the, in the um, minority because millions and millions of people have downloaded this. But there's reading plans. Just start a reading plan. Right? You can have it read to you. You know? Have it reading the Bible to you on your way to work. Get in the Word. So as we walk through this summer playlist, we're walking through Psalm 1 through 10. So for all of you really smart people, today we're in Psalm 1. Next week we're going to be in... You guys are so good. The week after that, guess what? Man, you guys are brilliant. Three. The next one is on the screen here, the Bible Memory app. So, so the, the psalmist says that if we delight in the word, we will meditate on it day and night. So that's two times a day, morning and evening, a.m. and p.m., right? Meditating on, do you realize you can't meditate on something you haven't memorized? Okay, so let me encourage you to get into reading the word. So here's a challenge. Every day for the rest of the summer, at some point every day, read Psalm 1 through Psalm 10. It'll take you about eight minutes to read it out loud, depending on if you're a speed reader or not. About eight minutes. Put it on your YouVersion Bible app. Let somebody read it to you. Eight minutes a day. As a family, maybe two days a week, maybe three days a week, whatever, when you hopefully sit around the dinner table Read it as a family, out loud, before bedtime. Let, let's, let's get the word of God in us. But the scripture says, meditate on his word day and night. This word meditate is kind of an interesting word. Um, it means to groan or to moan in the context of eating your food. So thinking of a cow chewing their cud and mulling it over and over again. Now, some of you may... I'm not even going to ask the question. I'm going to throw my son under the bus, though, because he lives in Florida, and he's going to have to be good with it. When he was a teenager, we knew how much he liked 
the meal that his mom had cooked by how much mm, mm, went on while he was eating. He didn't, like he had no idea that he was doing it. He's just, you know, head down, blinders on, mm, mm, you know. How many of you eat like that? You guys don't want to raise your hand. We got, we're a group of people who figured out what I'm all figured out. How many of you like to eat like that? Come on. But that's, what it's, that's, that's the meaning of this word, like I'm mulling it over. I always say this. How many of you are warriors? Raise your hand. Open confession. How many of you are warriors? Can I tell you, you, this is good news for you. If you are a natural warrior, you have the potential to be a great meditator of God's word. You have figured out how to play something over and over and over and over and over. I'm married to a warrior. I'm not one. But you can't meditate on what you haven't memorized. The Bible memory app, download it, start memorizing scripture. Maybe start with Psalm chapter 1. Wouldn't it be great if you memorized Psalm 1 by the end of the summer? It's not, it's not that difficult. Psalm 1 by the end of summer. All right, so we can all breathe, right? It's okay. You might not be where you want to be, but that doesn't mean you can't be there in a few months, right? So pretty simple today. Your challenge, get into the Word of God. Make a commitment. Maybe this morning in a moment when we stand and we finish the service with a song of worship, maybe you just come down with your family and maybe as a family, you make a commitment. You know, let's read Psalm 1 through 10 together. Let's at least try twice a week. Let's try five days a week, whatever it might be. And maybe it's just you saying, God, I really do want to delight in your word. I want to know you more.